question the voices of res and I hear Oh plastics Plastics is an SPE sponsored podcast. Hey Lindsay, how's it going? I am just great. It's uh opening season for the NFL. Today the Bills play uh LA. Um and I'm very excited. If you can't tell, I'm all decked out in all my Bills gear. My kids. So, what, 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 Allentown? I know there's like a Billy Joel song. Yes, that's what it's referring to. It, uh, it's very meta if you think about it. It has nothing to do with Josh Allen, the Bills quarterback. Oh, right. I think you've explained this to me before when it was a mm-hmm. football time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I, back got, in the I always time. get very excited. I made a shortcut on my, on, on Siri. Um, hey, Siri, Billy Joel, me, please. I don't want to do it. But, but then it plays, um, hopefully it does. Oh gosh, it's going to do it. But it plays, and then it, it plays um, My Life. Um, but um, congratulations on your um, Allentown uh, Buffalo Bills um, opening season <laughs> day. It is a very um, good day. And that's not at all what we're going to be talking about. But no, this is not the um, Plastics take on the NFL. Although maybe, maybe someday, you never know. Um for those of you listening at home, I'm Lindsay Noble, and I am a, an upstream product quote engineer for Cytiva. <laughs> there we go. There uh, we go. It's, it's about lunchtime for us. Um, and uh, yeah, so I haven't eaten yet. I don't know if you have either, um, but maybe, yeah, maybe we're firing a little bit slower in the middle of our day. Um, I, I'm Mercedes Landazri. I am a director of technology and innovation for Peacock Colors and Vortex Liquid Colors and Polycompounding. Um, we're both involved in uh, SPE, uh, Inspiring Plastics Professionals, Society of Plastics Engineers. That's, I don't know why I said it like that order, but I'm on color and appearance division and, and uh, recycling division in Chicago section. And Lindsay is a big deal. <laughs> yes, a big deal to my children. Um, and <laughs> I'm on the injection molding division. I am also on the executive board as the vice president of member engagement. But with our powers combined, we are plastic. Plastics. Mercedes is just staring at me. The voice is, <laughs> like we have like, never yeah. done this. Day one. Listen, it's very hard to do when there's a lag. Um, but uh, yeah, we're, we're two people who work in the plastics industry. And um, we met and fell deeply into friend love and uh, decided to start a podcast um, to um, spread the good word about, um, about our industry and people in it and all kinds of um, innovations, uh, materials, um, processes. I mean, we could go on and on, and we often do. And so we welcome. do. Yeah, we always do. <laughs> um, you can listen to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Basically, if you can get a podcast, we're probably there. But also, if you want to see the video version of this, where Mercedes just stares at me when we say our tagline, Instead of doing the tagline like she always does. It's a, um, there's a lag. There's, there's a lag. There's a YouTube version of this that goes up usually about a week or two later after the episode itself comes out. Um, and we're also on social media. All the social medias, except for TikTok, even though we keep saying we're going to do one and maybe eventually we'll get one just as TikTok itself. Right. Well, didn't you create a TikTok for us? Or like you accidentally, you were excited about it and then... I I, ha- I have the I have the tag or the username, but there is nothing on it. 
Well, you know, I mean, that was like how we started our podcast. We came up with a name. Name first, content later. That's all that matters. I still really love good morning amorphous material. I think that we're going to have to do some kind of like morning show at some point. Maybe. Um, well, I mean, you're Never working know. really these days. Um, um, but enough about us. Um, <laughs> hello. We haven't forgotten about you, Patrick. So this is... <laughs> Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. This is uh, Pat Haney, Research and Development Engineer at MTD Micromolding. Yeah, hello, hello. First podcast I've ever done, so excited wow. about it. And it's also first time hearing about Lindsay's TikTok, so I, I'm, it's, I'm kind of maybe <laughs> probably fairness, scared of that. Yeah, It's <laughs> the first time a lot of people are hearing from the TikTok. <laughs> um, yeah, so Pat, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about MTD. Let's get the intro stuff taken care of. Yeah, yeah, that's the hard part, right? Uh, sure. So um, I went to uh, I went to Penn State Barron originally when I started my plastics career uh, for for plastics engineering, um, and uh, you know after stepping through that program, I think I started that program in in 2012, and uh, stepping through that program, I decided to take um, the co-op route. Um, and when I was an upperclassman, I went to New England, to Vermont, to Husky for a little while, and eventually found my way to Massachusetts to MTD Micromolding. So um, through that career path, uh, started to take an interest in, in research and development more and more. And, um, you know, I think my, my energy and my personality and my interest um, married very well with MTD and uh, we ended up getting a good relationship. So uh, I okay, actually knowing you personally, you are a curious son of a gun. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> an interesting way to put it. Yeah. 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 Uh, lots of big personality. Some people might say sometimes, <laughs> but so yeah, I got a good relationship with MTD out of the gate there and ended up signing uh, a, a job before I even graduated. So um, the first official internal research and development project for MTD um, also identified as my senior project in, in college. So I was, you can kind of think of me at the time as a liaison between Penn State Barron and, and MTD. So we started to do um, a lot of micromolding R&D because um, we noticed that there's a lot of crazy phenomena that happens in micromolding. And, you know, fast forward to 2022 now, and uh, I'm doing it full time out here at MTD. And uh, it's a great time. It's it's a super unique um, environment and position. I don't know of any other ones like it, um, and I think that's why I like it so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, why is it? How how is it? How is it unique? How is it different? Well, uh, I think first and foremost, MTD is a a CDM, right, or a contract manufacturer. So usually, those companies, you know, are just uh, hired to to make the products of of other larger OEMs. Uh, and they kind of do a job and do it well. And then, then that's that. But uh, for a CDM to have internal research and development, the kind of the question is, or, or the question that crops up is, what does that even mean, you know, for a CDM? What do you have to develop in research as opposed to just, you know, doing jobs? And um, yeah, it's it's unique because it's, it's a, we're a CDM, but it's uh, basically a non-direct revenue generating position. And it's a, basically an entire branch of engineering that the company invests in quite a bit. in. I think it's somewhere at least 10% um, a year into internal research and development because all sorts of things go crazy when you go 
super small, you know, um, non-Newtonian fluids basically stop acting like non-Newtonian fluids should act or how we expect them to act. So, um, shear thinning's different, crystalline formation's different. Um, the list goes on, you know, um, and because of that, there's a lot of crazy things that end up happening, crazy phenomena that happen where you go, okay, well that shouldn't happen. Nobody expected that to happen, but it happens all the time. So essentially my job in a large capacity is to understand that phenomena and either figure out how to control it or understand it or prevent it, whatever it might be. Um, so that plastics become predictable and manageable again. Right. So, uh, yeah. (laughs) And you know, MTD takes it one step farther where you're not just doing micro, but you're doing micro medical. So, you know, what, what kind of extra, you know, restraints does that put on you guys as molders to have to fall into both those very strict categories? Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I think when it comes, yeah. So we, not only do we do where we are hundred percent medical first, first of all, um, but beyond that, I think it's something around 80% of the stuff that we make are implantables. So, um, there's pretty much the strictest criteria that you can possibly have, uh, on, on plastics injection molding in terms of, you know, not only does it have to fit the drawing, but you start getting concerned with like what happens if the residual monomer count is too high in the, in the molded product, because you end up having like very reactive compounds that are going to be implanted in the soft tissue, you know, so that could be an issue. So, um, that's, uh, I guess that's, again, we're kind of elaborating on why the position is unique and why it's also needed to be, you know, successful, uh, to the degree that we are. So, um, you know, not only do we have the molding presses, but we build all our molds here we do all the molding here and the metrology here, but we have a, a bunch of analytical characterization stuff too. So, you know, we do DSE testing here. We have gas chromatography capabilities. We have CT scanners. Um, we do intrinsic viscosity testing. So we monitor molecular weight loss throughout the, you know, all these things um, where we can not only use conventional metrology to analyze part, quote unquote, part quality, but we can also basically analyze uh, the polymer matrix too. Um, because the, the, preservation of the material is so severe to the application that it needs to do. Right. Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, you're talking about all these, uh, all these extra things you have to do within, you know, just regular molding. Whereas, you know, there's some places where you literally just get to dump material, press the button. And even if the process isn't quite the same, you're probably going to be fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Flower pots, right? (laughs) Like making color chips, for example. (laughs) Um, What, you know, you talked about your position kind of being unique and, you know, it being a branch of the company that's not necessarily like directly tied into the active projects, like the active customer projects that are going on. What is like an example of what you do in a day? Like what kind of stuff comes across your plate um, you know, where do you, where do you spend your time besides lunch? <laughs> well, Which food is a, 15 minutes on. Yeah. Food <laughs> yeah. is a big part of it. Uh, ask some people here. There's pro- probably every two hours, you know, there's, there's always <laughs> something I have in the fridge or something, but, um, yeah, the day to day is, is interesting because it varies like crazy. Um, sometimes there I'll go weeks and weeks where, um, 
you know, I'm doing, I, I will be working on a customer project, but that doesn't mean that every new project is going to cross my desk. The ones that do, um, again, there's some kind of bizarre phenomena, you know, like I'm, I'm making up a hypothetical, but you know, it could be, well, we have a polycarbonate piece that is four thousandths, uh, wall thickness and, you know, um, a centimeter long or something, you know? So how do we fill that? You know, on, oh, oh, by the way, there's a core pin in the middle of it, <laughs> you know? So, um, crazy things like that. That's just an example. But if, if anything gets to the point where we go, well, maybe we can do it, but we've never quite done anything like that before and neither is anybody else. So instead of putting it through process development, that's going to go to R and D through this prototyping phase instead. And there's, um, this is actually something new that MTD's started to crank out the last few months to a year is a uh, different prototyping pipeline um, for projects that that makes sense uh, to put through. So uh, sometimes I do work on customer projects, but those projects are um, very, they're bizarre for some reason, you know, and then the ultimate goal is to eventually hand that off to regular process development, you know, cause we want to see success. Um, so sometimes there's things like that going on. Um, <clears throat> other times if, if things are maybe a little bit slower on the prototyping customer project front, um, I will, you know, there's a whole laundry list of weird phenomena that we've observed in the past. And if I have some free time, um, sometimes I can, I spend a lot of time researching that, you know, the time I'm a Google Scholar, um, <laughs> a lot of time talking on the phone with you know resin experts or, or uh, polymer chemists at a resin supplier or something, um, trying to wrap my head around weird things that we see. Uh, sometimes it's a lot of discussions with customers before they're even maybe they may be in the design phase and they don't know you know what material to use or or what's necessary and what's not necessary for what their application is going to demand so i do interface a lot with customers in that capacity too um where i can i can do a lot of work with sales and account managing and things like that to make sure that we are going to give the customer what they need on the front end before anything gets kicked off so there's the least amount of backtracking in the prototyping phase you know so um beyond that uh conferences i go to a lot of conferences give a lot of talks um so usually when it's trade show season i can be you know jumping around on an airplane every once in a while so it's it's pretty dynamic uh it can change and i think that's one of the things i like about it the most to be honest and you get to work with with uh, quite a lot of materials right a pretty wide variety mm -hmm. I, yeah. I i saw that you had really interesting so you won first place in the engineering division um uh baron for it is like 14 with exploring coconut shell reinforced polypropylene and olefin blends <laughs> right yeah uh yeah we uh i forgot about that actually that's funny you brought that up i haven't You're thought about the, the coconut project in a long time yeah Jose i remember the, a deep dive. yeah i i remember that the the lab supervisor walked over because it smelled so good because we put mm -hmm. coconut oil in it we use coconut oil as a plasticizer for that. Oh, nice. And we ended up, I remember we ended up lowering the glass transition like a full 10 degrees Celsius just with coconut oil and like wow. turkey pans, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like mixing it in turkey pans and um, before we put it in the hopper. And it smelled like Oreos for some bizarre reason. 
I don't I'm know not why. mad about that. No. And I remember the shop supervisor ate a pellet. She was like, oh, what is this? Like, and we were like, it's probably <laughs> propylene. You probably shouldn't eat that. Everybody chews on pellets. If you're, Especially if polypropylene. If you're going to yeah. go yeah. pick a polypro. Yeah. Like so last filled nylon. Then we're, then we got to talk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like chewing on some fiberglass. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think, yeah. Well, I guess with that in mind, like that's probably where my original interest in, you know, uh, polymer science research and development came into play. Right. Cause there was a lot of projects in college and in school where I was playing around with additives or, or trying to, nucleate crystallinity with something, you know, whether it be a processing method or, or something like that. So, um, there was a lot of, uh, additives and compounding because in college we could, we had the luxury of like extruding and pelletizing our own stuff and then we could try to mold it later. So we had kind of the full spectrum of capability in that sense. So after we do that and we, you know, we do mechanical testing on them and we do DMA and DSC and, you know, all this, uh, all this, crazy doc brown stuff so like <laughs> uh that translated to i mentioned the first r d projects i did for mtd um while i was still in school mtd works with a lot of bioabsorbables right hmm. so that's a huge vein of what we do and that's just those are biocompatible materials that are basically chemically engineered to dissolve or disassociate at the rate of tissue regeneration. So they're implanted into the body and perform some kind of function. And then basically just break down until like lactic acid or something, you know, something that your body just kind of incorporates and absorbs. So, you know, instead of polypropylene and and coconut shell fibers, you know, um, it, it, it transitioned into, um, bioabsorbables, PLAs, PLGs, uh, lactide, glycolide stuff. And can we nucleate those things with like hydroxyapatite? That was, that's what the project was. It was synthetic bone dust is basically what that is, you know, trying to speed up the slow crystallization process of PLA in that sense. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it, that's where the R and D kind of interest started and it was a great fit for MTD. So, like I said, MTD does a lot of a lot of bioabsorbable stuff in terms of all the materials we work with: um, octides, glycolides, caprolactones, uh, polydioxinones, uh, all your basics. glycols. Yeah, all the basics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so th- those those uh, materials are bizarre in and of themselves because they're literally made and polymerized to degrade. You know, um, so they're very prone to oxidation. They're very prone to um, uh, hydrolysis they're meant to be right. So it's not really a failure of the material. It's really a success of the material that they, they are that way. So the question becomes, how do you take a material like that, that is prone to degradation and is meant to degrade and, you know, expose it to the highest shear rates in injection molding, you know, and, and how do you do that and preserve material integrity? Right. Um, so, yeah, it's it's very specialized. It's a very specialized technique with very specialized materials. You know, but but that being said, I will add there's other materials that we use too, like the more common ones, the com- commodity plastics, engineering plastics, all the way to uh, high performance. We do a lot of peak because uh, peak is super popular for uh, permanent implants uh, that aren't meant to dissolve. Uh, PEIs, uh, all that kind of stuff. So um, really, the only thing we don't touch, I think, would be like silicone 
because that's just completely different. LSR is just completely different hardware. And um, we don't do a lot of PVC because when you shear that, it releases um, hydrochloric acid. And, it, you know, let's say you have a 5,000 skate diameter, for example, right? It doesn't take very long for hydrochloric outgassing to eat away at, you know, a 5,000 hold that's popped in a steel plate, you know, so it's very corrosive and it's, it's very difficult to deal with, but luckily there's other medical alternatives to that material. So, yeah. Well, you know, we're kind of talking a lot about like the different polymers and like what their, you know, benefits, non-benefits, all that kind of stuff and how they are a big part of micro molding. But the other side of that is your tooling. What yeah. kind of, you know, what kind of adjustments do you need to make in um, your tooling for micro molding? And, you know, slapping on a fancy right. holiday. <laughs> no, no, I think tooling is um, probably arguably the most important part of the whole thing. You know, um, I think I tend to talk about plastics, the plastic a lot because that's the world that I live in. But uh, we are, you know top down. So we have our own machine shop here that, um, has a, a whole smattering of capabilities that it all starts there. You know, if we didn't build the tools in-house, I don't think we would have the success that we have. Um, mm. because those guys back there, it's, it's funny. Cause I, I've, I've said to new employees and stuff when they start, I said, we're all just regular people, right? We're all, we're all really kind of quirky in one way or the other, but we're all really good at what we do, you know, and everybody has different special specialities, you know? So, uh, yeah, we have a huge machine shop. We actually just doubled the size of the building. Um, we, we built an addition in the last few years, believe it or not during like the height of COVID we were building an expansion. Yeah. Right. Um, so we, we about doubled the size of, I want to say somebody's going to yell at me for this later. I'll probably get it wrong. I think it's a 24, (laughs) hundred square foot edition, I think. Um, so the old machine shops, uh, converting back into new clean rooms. Um, and then the addition, uh, encompasses all kinds of things, wire EDMs, sinker EDMs. Um, we have technology that it's, that cuts it with a single electrode. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and some more conventional means of, you know, uh, CNC and milling and, and those kinds of things. But, uh, yeah, the whole the entire mold base, right down to the inserts and the cavity geometries, the runner system, all that stuff is, um, designed here at MTD. Um, it's, you know, the engineers and the processors interface with the mold design engineers all the time. So it's, it's a really kind of well-oiled machine. You start to, once you live in an environment like this, you start to realize that everything is kind of uh, this ball of yarn. Everything's kind of attached because the tooling is driven by the plastic and the shrinkage, mm-hmm. but the molding is driven by the tooling and it's, it's all very, you know, uh, everything needs everybody. Right. So you, I imagine then everybody works really collaboratively then. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's probably one of the number. that's that other reason why I like MTD so much is because I think we're only, I think at, at 40 some employees, we're pretty small, relatively speaking, but uh, it's still kind of the uh, family environment sort of thing. We all get along really well. Um, and that's like so important, you know, that we can, we can be honest about our feedback or, you know, we can everybody's got this open door policy. So if, if you have a concern about something or you're thinking about something or you're stumped, um, it's not very hard to find the resource that you need um, to, to solve that problem or even just bounce ideas off of. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic environment. 
I think open door unless you're recording a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a sign on the door right now. It's taped and I wrote on Sharpie and big bold letters. Don't bother me. <laughs> That's <what it> says. <laughs> and someone's going to be like, he's yeah. fine. I can bother him. Right. They're going to tap it on the glass. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> <laughs> right. So, you know, um, we did touch on this right before we started recording, but, but uh, now tell me how you guys met. Well, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> I mean, we know each other through the I know each other. program um, yeah. because obviously it's a small enough program that, you know, you kind of know names of people above you, names of people below you. Um, and we did overlap a short time uh, at MTV um, before that stayed and I did not. And now he's just doing all the things. <laughs> all the so- things. So question for you, Pat, did, uh, has Brian Young ever made you cry? Mm, always no, he, he did. Uh, this is probably going to get him in trouble. <laughs> he did hit me in the, sh- <laughs> he did, uh, uh, hit me in the shin with a wrench once though. <laughs> oh, that sounds on brand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I, I was in the, uh, I was in the molding shop and in the lab and I had, I was a college kid, man. I had steel toes from Walmart on, right. Like, yeah. cause they're like 30 bucks. And, and you were at least wearing steel toe because I don't think my class. Well, yeah, I mean, it got to the, to the point where they were like, hey, if you walk in here without uh, toe protectors on your steel toes, we're going to fail you like out of senior project. And we were like, OK, well, that's, I, I thought I always thought it was a little extreme, but, you know, so, yeah, I had these like Walmart steel toes on because if you put the toe caps on, you sound like this like horse a little horse you know yeah like actually though <laughs> so i was like whatever i'm just gonna wear these 30 dollar boots uh but they didn't look like steel toes because they weren't chippewas or you know right. whatever else so he didn't think they were steel toes he was like hey are those steel toes and i was like yeah they're steel toes and he's like are you sure and he like picks up a wrench and i'm just like yeah yeah i'm sure and he threw it and he meant to hit like it was going to bounce off the toe, right? Oh, no. If I was telling the truth, I would have been fine. But I, I, he must not be a very good athlete because he because <laughs> he hit me right in the shin instead. And I, I, he probably doesn't even remember. It, I was going to say, like, and, oh! yeah. and I was gonna say, don't worry, he probably doesn't even listen. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I'll tell I him to listen that. to this one. I love, it. I love a good uh, Brian Young story. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of them, but he was, um, I, I got him as a grader too. And when my senior project, so that's like the worst case scenario you know, as, as a an undergrad pen, uh, plastic student there. Cause he's, he was by far the strictest grader on it, you know, but oh, if I, I, uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe we ended up getting a 98 on that project. So it all panned out in the end, I guess. Yeah. But, <laughs> all uh, worked out. He's probably yeah. making up some points for that wrench throw. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so. so going back to some of the stuff you're doing now, because I know we're kind of running short on time. What's, you know, tell us, I know you can't tell us all the things, but what are some of the coolest things you've worked on or like worked on in the past or maybe are working on now? Yeah. Or not coconut. Yeah. Right. Not coconut <laughs> shells. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that question can go all sorts of different directions, you know? Um, cause there's, there's so many cool things that we've done over, over the years here, but, um, I think maybe like a couple of cool examples are like, we really started to notice that, uh, you know, if we talk about if, if we, if for those of 
us listeners that know how an injection injection speed is optimized and in a molding process, right? Um, you're you basically are gathering uh, cavity pressure data and fill time data and things like that, and plotting a chart and then watching. the The effort is to watch when the viscosity isn't affected by changing shear rate so much, right? Because you want to, you want to, the buzzword is accommodate for material variation, right? It's forever burned into my brain from that school. But um, yeah, so uh, we notice that that viscosity behavior doesn't act the same uh, when, when we are, you know, mold, micro molding. And throughout, I've done a lot of talks on this too, at, at, you know, um, different trade Antex. shows and things. Uh, yeah, 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 I talked about it. I did. I think I have talked about it at Antec, I think, but maybe. Um, but we noticed that there's uh, a point where like things act like water, they act Newtonian, and then they should start to act non-Newtonian and shear thin. But then you reach a point, and it is actually possible, believe it or not, where all the polymers are oriented in the same direction. Um, all of them. There's no entanglement during flow. And when that happens, not fountain flow and non-Newtonian characteristics don't really aren't they start acting Newtonian again, you know? So that realization, you take, you take your book that, uh, from Penn state light it on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 It's just like all these, all these conventional tools that, right. you know, macro molders use aren't applicable here, you know? So we also found out that when you get to that degree, um, the crystalline structures change because the nucleation sites, um, change. Right. So we basically, you know, in other words, find out that, okay, so this stuff doesn't flow the way that we expected it to flow and it doesn't set up the way that we expect it to set up, you know? So there's a complete revamp on how we, you know, change our processing methods and how do we optimize the process now, you know, because all the, the regular industry tools aren't quite cutting it, you know? So, um, kind of being the thought leaders and the spearheaders of that, at least in a practical sense, because there's a plenty of academics that already knew that stuff happened. Right. Um, it's, it's the activity of marrying like practical manufacturing and industry with like theoretical academia, you know, cause they have a lot of great knowledge. And I love that yeah. because I feel yeah. like that is a big gap in our industry. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. We've been, we've been talking about it every Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so much, there's so much, you know, academic knowledge and, you know, knowledge in the theoretical level and the, the application of it in you know, your manufacturers, your general manufacturers. Sometimes mm -hmm. that is just like, that's not even like a little crick you got to jump over. That is like a gorge, you know. Right. Yeah. I guess the one yeah. behind Baron where we all used to party. I, I like, uh, I like that you said crick because everybody out here makes fun of me for saying crick because it's supposed to be. I, as I said it, I felt yeah, that's awesome. No, that's great. I, I love it when other people say it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> they talk like that is that like a buffalo thing or what it, i think it's more pennsylvania north think, uh, western pennsylvania yeah, yeah. That's right not, that's not something i inherently grew up with. yeah it's like i was talking about you out of me getting my oil changed in my car i have oil oil <laughs> oil <laughs> but people are like what do you want to do because i'm like ah, i gotta get my oil changed oil, oil, oil changed <laughs> <You know? laughs> anyway uh yeah so that's that's kind of my main personal I guess maybe career goal is to find ways to marry academia or, or at least the theoretical world, not necessarily academia, but the theoretical world with, with practical manufacturing because they have different motivations. And because of that, they don't communicate very often, you know, which is curious because you'd think 
the research should be applied at some point, right? <laughs> so we've actually done things in the past. We're not, we're not, we don't have any people on the payroll to do this right now, but uh, we had a physicist on staff for a while, actually. Um, and that whole, the whole point was to, okay, well, how can we take somebody that is very well versed in technical minded in theory, right? And then we can, we can give them the practical tools of plastics. Um, and we got some really cool things that came out of that. You know, like we, we have methods now where if we have crazy undercuts in a part or, or something like that, we can, we have mathematical models that can tell us, um, is there a way that we can step the parting line or something like that to, to optimize the way the tool build has to be so that we can make this as cheap and effective and ro uh, robust as possible. Right. So like a lot of really cool things like that, where you kind of go, okay, well, is there research out there or can we just solve this problem with just pure math or something? Right. You know? right. um, or coconut you know, oil. Or coconut, or coconut oil. oil in a turkey pan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, now you're bridging the gap one micromold at a time. Right. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> you know, I was just saving that. <laughs> yeah. No, they're, yeah. they're so adorable. They're so adorable. I got a chance yeah. to, to see. Uh, gosh. Yeah. It, it, I, I love getting on the floor whenever I, whenever I can on the shop floor. And uh, I really love small things. Um, I guess that's all I have to say about that. That's all I have to say. Well, and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> as part of like, you know, maybe not a direct result of your um your project, but I know they just installed a sodic over at Baron yesterday. Oh yeah. Something like that. So right. you know, mm -hmm. change is slow, but look at it go. Right. Yeah. I remember that being a big I was advocating for that quite a bit, right? Because that's uh, another that's thing. So cool. MTD doesn't mold with conventional reciprocating screws. The injection units aren't aren't normal, right? There's over under um, things that use screws and plungers and junctions and things, and it's all it's all for repeatability and precision because you know our cushion isn't our, our cushions are you know measured in millimeters, not you know inches or something. So you know um, you need that extra level of precision. So Sodics are are fantastic for that, absolutely. Well, if Sodic doesn't promote this episode, then mm -hmm. we're gonna oh, we're doing the long... are we doing the ads? We're gonna oh, break. From we're the gonna ads. have to. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we call up Sodic. Uh, just so you know, you purchase an ad unknowingly. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like I, I you know like Cohan and and Len would be down for that. Oh, hundred percent. They'll be fine. <laughs> Sometimes, right? Yeah, they probably actually they probably would. Probably would. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God bless them. All right. Well, I think we are just about out of time. Yeah, we all um, got to get to work and you got to go um, tell Danny that he can talk again. Oh, yeah. I do have my husband doing <laughs> on quiet notice in the corner. <laughs> um, well, Pat, it's awesome to talk to you. Always good to hear um, all the cool stuff that's going on at MTD. Um, and we love love the cool stuff you're doing and all the, the bridge gapping. Yeah, bridging. There we go. Um, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. So, yeah. This, yeah. Awesome. I, I learned so much. There was Lindsay. Why didn't you tell me any of this stuff before? I oh, I like I, to keep things a secret. <laughs> typical. Typical. Okay. Right. All right. Well, thanks so much. All right, guys. That was fun. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Plastics. New episodes appear 
on the first Friday of every month. So either follow or subscribe to get those new episodes ASAP. Plastics, the Voices of Resin, is a plastics podcast sponsored by SPE, Inspiring Plastics Professionals. If you want to find out more about SPE, please visit for, like the number, SPE.org. Oh, plastics.